You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. We're continuing in our series. We're on the third week of our series, Names. Somebody see names. And uh, we've been talking about the many different names of God that we find all throughout the Bible. There's a lot of them. And I don't know if you know this new song, students, um, but this series is very quickly becoming one of my favorite series that we've gone through. It's just so good. I love getting to study God and find new ways to look at him. And really what we're, what we're doing is looking at what God actually is like. We're answering the question, who God is. And the Bible has many names for God that are given all throughout the Bible. And we've been talking about this all series long so far. Every single one of those names answers the question, who is God? Not who do you think God is, but who is he actually? Um, And what I hope you're finding throughout this series is at least that God is better than you actually think he is. That like God is so much better than you think he is. He's so much more powerful than you think he is. He's so much more invested in your story than you could ever imagine. I hope you're finding out that God is better. He's not as boring as you think he is. Sometimes we honestly just think God is boring. I promise you, God's not boring. In fact, you know, the Bible tells us that there are angels in heaven and that these angels um, are circling God. They're worshiping God. And it says that every time that these angels come around the throne and they see God, they begin to worship because they just saw a new side of God, a new angle of God, because like God is infinite. Like he's, he's endless. And so literally since the beginning of time and for an eternity, that's a long time, they are circling God. And every single time they come around, they're saying, Wow, I've never seen that side of God before. How crazy is that? And so really what we're doing is on a smaller level, we're trying to do that. We're trying to look at God, at these names that we get in the Bible from him. And we're trying to find new reasons, new ways that we can say, God, you're so good. I worship you just like those angels in heaven. And so this is important for us. It's important to know what the names of God are, what they mean. And each name shows us this different side of him. And so we've gone through two names so far. Two names. Who who remembers week one? Yahweh. That's right. That's right. We learned in week one that God has a name. He gives us his name when he encounters Moses in that burning bush. And he says, my name's Yahweh. My name's Yahweh. Yahweh means I am who I am. I am who I am. And we talked about how For us, what does that mean? It means that God is always God, and guess what? You ain't God. That's right. God is always God. He's always going to be God, the same God, and that he's able to do anything that he says he can do. That means if he wants to use you and he says he can use you, guess what? He's going to use you, which is good news, right? Last week, we looked at Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom, and we talked about how How many of us want peace in our life? All of us, hopefully. We all want to experience peace. And guess what? God wants to give you peace. But we talked about how when we ask for peace from God, it's important to know what we're receiving. Because what we're receiving is God, right? 
We receive a person when we ask for peace, and that's good news for you. And so tonight, uh, we're continuing week three of names. If, you, if you're taking notes tonight, you can bust out your journal, your phone, whatever you want to do. If you want to just follow along mentally, everything's going to be up on the screen behind me. Uh, but do whatever you need to do to be in this tonight, to receive a word from God. Put yourself in a posture for that. Tonight, we're going to find ourselves in another Old Testament story. God's names apparently always come from an Old Testament crazy story. So we're going to read another one. It's found in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. And um, we're just going to jump into it because this is a chunky passage. Somebody say chunky. It's chunky because remember, we talked about last week, we like our scriptures chunky here at New Song Students. So uh, I'm just going to read this. Read along with me, whether you've got a Bible or you want to follow along on the screen. Actually picture this in your head. This is a good story, and you've probably heard it before. Here's what it says. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Say, what? Oh my goodness. On the mountains, which I will tell you. Check this out. So Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took with him his two young men and his son Isaac. Time out. I've heard people preach this point right here where he got up early and they talk about how like, see how Abraham got up early? This is what that means. That means when God gives you a word, you need to be quick to respond. You need to be quick to obey, which I do believe that's a good thing to take away from this. But I heard a pastor the other day say, this is the reason why Abraham got up early. is because he didn't want Sarah to ask him why he was taking <laughs> Isaac to a mountain. He was like, I got to get out before Sarah wakes up. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. What happens? On the third day, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over to worship. This is super important. Read this with me. Then we'll come back. Nobody read it with me. That's okay. Then we'll come back. We're both going to come back. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father, and he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Awkward. <laughs> you just had to ask that, Isaac. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built there an altar, arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. You guys picturing this with me? You seeing this like a movie? Kind of crazy what's happening. Then Abraham reached out, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord came to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything. For I know that you fear God 
Now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its thorn, by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. Who's heard this story before? Crazy story, right? So hard to even imagine what this would be like for Abraham. So hard to like put yourself in his shoes. But we find something really cool about God in this story. We find a new name for God, actually. And uh, his name is what, what Abraham names this mountain. The Lord will provide, which translates to Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. And everybody said, you are enough. Um, that song is so good. Okay. So I'm going to preach to you on the topic of God being Jehovah Jireh. But before we get into it, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in. Father God, we just thank you so much for tonight. And Lord, I thank you for the fact that you always provide. You always come through, God. In every single one of our needs, God, you see them, you know them. You know them before we even say them to you, God. And you are a good father who provides for his children. And so I thank you tonight as we look at this name about how you provide for us. I pray that you would show us, God, where you want to provide in our lives. Show us maybe where we're keeping you from providing for us, God. And we invite you in. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would speak to every single student every single leader, every single person in this room tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Okay, so we're talking about provision tonight. Um, And I think we got to first understand what what provision is, what, what it means to provide. I know the first thing for me that I think of when I hear the word provide is the first thing I think of is like a parent. I think of like a dad or a mom who, who's working really hard to financially provide for their family, like so they can have all of their needs met. That's what I think of when I think of the word provide. And many times when we hear this word provision or provide, we think of like giving or like supplying something, which that is what it is. But in this passage, when it says the Lord will provide, what that word actually translates to provide, it actually means to see. So write that down. It means to see, which actually makes sense because the word pro has provision in the, it's in the root word of the word provide, provision. And so the word actually means to see, not to supply. And so tonight when we talk about provision, I want you to think about it from this, from this thought process of this. Provision is seeing a need and meeting a need. Provision is seeing a need and meeting a need. Um, I've noticed in my life that uh, the best gifts that I can give or the best gifts that um, I've received from people are the ones that make me feel seen the most. Anybody relate to that? Like, have you ever gotten a gift and, like, you clearly know this person knows nothing about you? And so you're like, thank you, but, like, I'm never going to use this. Has that ever happened to you before? But when I like to give a gift, I like to make somebody feel seen. Really what I like to do is use something that I know they're going to use every day. Those are my favorite gifts to give. You know, 
I learned this trick from Pastor Josh. I want to share it with you because I used it once and it worked for me. But Pastor Josh does this thing with his wife, Sarah, where um, he's got a notes in his phone, like a notes folder. And all year long, he is listening and he's watching and he's looking at Sarah all year long. And when they're at the store, if she ever says, oh, I like that thing. He's listening for that. If they're ever in the car and she says, oh, I need this thing, he's listening for those things. And so every time he hears something that she wants or something that she needs, what does he do? He writes it in his notes. Because how many of you know Christmas rolls around every year? Birthdays roll around every year. And have you ever had those events come up and you're like, crap, I need to get them a gift and I have no idea what to get them? But he's got the folder. He's got the notes ready to go. And so he's able to get a gift to make her feel seen. This is hap- I've done this before. All the guys in the room, you need to take notes, right? When y'all get in a relationship, start taking notes on your girl. But I, I tried this out because he's my pastor. He's my authority. So I was like, I need to do this too. So I tried this out with Haley. And a couple years ago, uh, we were walking through Target because we used to go to Target like every day. Like stuff that you do before a baby is crazy to me. We could never do that now. But We used to go to Target all the time and just walk around and just look at stuff. And one day we were looking through stuff and we were walking down the aisle that has all those hairdressers, or not hairdressers, hair dryers. That makes more sense. (laughs) We're walking through the hair dryer aisle and she saw one. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was really fancy. It was like white with like the gold. You guys probably know what it is. And um, my ladies probably know what it is, which I just noticed there's a lot of girls on this side and like no girls on this side. Um, Anyway, so we're in Target and she sees this box and she's like, oh my gosh, oh, I want this hair dryer so bad. I need this hair dryer. And like, she really did need it. Like her hair dryer, when she would use it, it just smelled like fire in our apartment, (laughs) which I don't know if any ladies relate to that, but it was, it was scary. Um, but it was, I mean, you know, we couldn't afford it at the time. So I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Haley, we can't get it yet. But maybe, maybe in the future. Um, and this was like right after Pastor Josh had talked about the notes. So I was like, this is going on the list. Well, fast forward like eight months and it's Christmas. And I got her the hair dryer. And um, it was so cool. I loved her reaction because she's like, sees the box and she's like, what in the world is in this? And then she starts opening the box And as she begins to see what's inside, you just see her light up. And she's like, I totally forgot about this. Like, and I needed this. And in that moment, I just felt so good because I was able to meet meet her need. I was able to meet her need. But not only that, I was able to let her know that I saw her. I saw her. I was paying attention to her. I was paying attention to her needs. And, you know, this is what I love about God being our provider is that this is what it means for him to be a provider, is that he sees you. Like he sees every single need that you and I have. And kind of like me taking notes with Haley, this is what he does with you and I. He takes notes on your needs and he sees you. But when we talk about provision and God being provider, I think many times, especially in America, we tend to think of that word as simply meaning like God provides you with money or God provides you with stuff, like material things, which, which he does. But we hear that word provision and most of us, myself included, we, we go straight to money 
and material things because that's how the world sees provision. That's how the world sees that word. Think about it. Like if you want to be a good dad or a good husband in the world's standards, what do you need to do? Well, you need to make enough money to provide for your family. And that's it. You just need to be a good provider. If you want to uh, eventually move out of your parents' house one day, does anybody want to eventually do that? Hopefully all of you. Um, Your parents are going to say yes for that. If you're going to want to do that one day, you're going to need to be able to provide for yourself. And so what do we think of? We think of, I got to get a job and I got to make enough money so I can provide for myself. But check this out. Money is great and all, but money doesn't actually meet all of our needs. Money doesn't provide every single need that you and I have. Like you can grow up with a dad who's a great provider for you. You never lacked anything, always had a meal on the table, had stuff to wear that you liked. He provided every need for you, but he didn't provide any need for you relationally. You, you, you had no relationship with your father. He never told you he loved you. He never hugged you. And so you might have been provided for materially, but you weren't provided for with relationship. You, you can grow up with a mother who will provide you with comfort and love and support, but maybe didn't provide you with boundaries or discipline. And so you find yourself lacking in a need that we all have. So provision doesn't just talk about money. And when our needs aren't met um, by others or ultimately by God, we end up taking the provision into our own hands. We take provision into our own hands. But here's what I want us to know tonight. God wants to meet every single one of your needs. And when I'm talking about this, I'm not just talking he wants you to have food on your table or he wants you to have money in the bank. Those are good things. But he wants to meet your needs so much more. He wants to meet your needs emotionally. He wants to meet your needs financially. He wants to meet your needs relationally, mentally. Every single need God has the ability to meet. Check this out. Philippians 4.19 says this. And my God will supply every need. Somebody say every need. Every need of yours according to Is it according to your riches and glory? According to your ability to make money? According to you at all? No. According to his riches and glory, God wants to supply every single one of your needs. This is who God is. This is who God is. And so check this out. I want to go back to this story with Abraham. I think we find a couple things about God in this story that are really cool about him being a provider. So we see God ask Abraham to do something really hard. Kind of like what David said. He's asking a sacrifice from Abraham. The first thing that we see that Abraham knows deep in his heart about God is point number one. Check this out. God provides, period. God provides, period. No matter what. And we see Abraham, he's got got this in his heart. He knows this fact about God that God provides no matter what, because God is a giver. It's not just something that he does, it's who he is. We, know, we all know John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave. It's, it's who he is, and he gives because of his love for you. That's his motivation. So check this out. We see Abraham's attitude towards God, his belief towards what God can do right here. It says, so Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him 
two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split the wood for the offering, set out to go to the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are going to go up to worship. But guess what? We're both going to come back to you. We're both going to come back to you. Abraham, I don't know about you, but he's feeling pretty confident, right? Which if you think about it, it's crazy how confident he's feeling because he knows what's about to happen. Like he knows I'm about to go onto this mountain and do what God told me to do. I'm going to sacrifice my only son. But his confidence wasn't because, wasn't because of he knew the future outcome. His, his confidence came from a past promise that he had from God. Now, if you're, if you're not familiar with the story of Abraham, Abraham um, and Sarah, his wife, received a promise from God. Um, and this was a huge promise that God was going to bless the whole world through their family. Kind of crazy. But the thing is, God's timing was a little off. <laughs> because God gave them the promise like in their, in their late 90s. Um, and so he's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless the whole world through your family. And uh, Abraham's like, what family? Like, I'm old. We can't have kids. Have you ever seen a 90-year-old pregnant woman walking around? I definitely have not. That would be super, super weird. And, and Abraham knows this. He knows this. In fact, uh, in the story, you can go back and read this later, but him and Sarah actually didn't believe God could do this promise. And so they actually took the promise into their own hands and it kind of got messy and dirty and like not what God had planned. And so God had to fix that up and you can read it later. But God really meant, I want to use your family that I'm going to give to you. And as you read in the story, Sarah, by a miraculous birth, actually has their own son. They name him Isaac, and she's 90 years old when they have this baby, which is crazy. So fast forward, fast forward to Genesis 22, and now God is asking Abraham to give up the one thing that he provided for him, which is this son. And Abraham, he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, but here's what he does know. He knows God gave me a promise, and he knows if God gave me that promise, he's going to provide no matter what. I don't know how, but I know he's going to provide, period. Check this out. I found this commentary on this passage. It's so good. Here's what it says. It says, this doesn't mean that Abraham somehow knew this was a test from God and that it would not really require this of him. Instead, Abraham's faith was in understanding that should he kill Isaac, God would raise him from the dead. Because God had promised Isaac would carry on the line of blessing and covenant. Basically, God had promised that he was going to use Isaac. So check this out. Abraham knew anything was possible. But it was impossible that God would break a promise. I'm going to read that again because that's good. Abraham knew that anything is possible, but it, it was impossible for God to break his promise. He knew that God was not a liar. To this point in the biblical story, there was no record of anybody being raised from the dead. So Abraham, he had no reason for this faith apart from God's promise. Yet Abraham knew God was able. God could do it. So check this out. 
This confidence that Abraham has that he's walking in is a confidence that says no matter what this looks like, no matter how confusing this is, I know that God provides, period. No matter what, God provides, period. Second thing is this. God provides because he sees the need. God provides because he sees the need. And in this story, God provides because he created the need in the first place. Like, Abraham didn't ask for this need, right? God made it happen. He gave him the need. And you know what's funny is we're actually all created with a need for God. Like a need that only God can fill. Only God can fill every single need in our life. He created us to depend on him. And so many of us, we want to live our lives independent from him. But he created us kind of like in this situation with Abraham. He's not going to make you sacrifice your little brother or sister. (laughs) That's crazy. But he did create you with a need that only he can fill. And I want to read Philippians 4.19 again because it's so good. It says, and my God will supply every need, every need of yours that he placed in you. God placed a need in you, and he's going to fill it according to his riches and glory. Second, or third thing is this. Check this out. God provides because he wants your heart. God provides because he wants your heart. I love what the angel of the Lord says to him. He says, then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now, somebody say now. For now I fear God. Now, now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Okay, so something we need to understand about God is that God, he doesn't need you. God is self-sustaining. That means he doesn't need anything outside of himself to be himself. Like he doesn't need anything at all. But the one thing that God wants he can't actually provide for himself. And it's your heart. Here's what I mean by that. God can't make you follow him. God can't make you worship him. God can't make you love him. He gave you the choice to do that. And so when you actually choose to follow God or to worship him or to trust him, you're actually giving God something that he doesn't already have. It's kind of crazy. The one thing God doesn't already have, the one thing that you can provide for God is your heart. And so sometimes there's going to be a season in your life. Just, I love what David said in worship today about how he had felt God asking him to give up football. And it didn't really make sense to him in the moment, but he trusted. But God placed a sacrifice opportunity in front of David. And David decided to trust that God's ways were better. And he ended up seeing that it ended up being better than he could have ever imagined. And he's here today because of that, right? Well, it's because when God asks us to ever sacrifice anything, it's not because he wants to make our life hard. It's because he's got something so much better for us. And it's because he wants your heart. You know, we see this in the Bible. There's a famous story of a, of a rich young ruler. You, you familiar with the rich young ruler? And Jesus asks this rich young ruler to sell everything, and just get rid of all this stuff and follow me. It's, a pretty, it's kind of a big, big sacrifice. It's kind of like Abraham's sacrifice. But what we find out is that this, Jesus wasn't inviting him to do all of that because he doesn't want the man to have stuff or not be rich. He wanted to know where that man's heart was. And 
what we see in that opportunity to sacrifice something is we see that man's heart was not to follow Jesus. It was to follow his money. What do we see Jesus say right after that? He says, no one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve God and money. So guess what? God wants to be the source of all of your needs. Um, And he wants to do that because guess what? When we realize that he is the source of all of our needs, guess what he gets? Our heart. And that's what God wants. And that's the only thing that he doesn't have yet that you can give to him. So this is Jehovah Jireh. This is who God is. He provides. He he sees everything that you need. But what do we do? Um, And as we close, you can put some music on for us tonight, Jay. There's three things that I think that we have to do or that we get to do to allow God to be Jireh in our life. Because we talk about this at New Song all the time. God's a gentleman. And and God is not going to make you do anything. God didn't make Abraham go to that mountain. He offered Abraham to do that. Um, So God's not going to make you and I ever do anything. So what does that mean? That means we have to put ourselves in a position to allow God to actually be what his name is, Jehovah Jireh in our life. First thing that I think is this. I allow God to be Jehovah Jireh in my life when I know him. When I know him. And check this out. Abraham knew God. Like he knew God. He had his own personal relationship with God. He didn't have a parent or a pastor telling him what God was saying. He heard God for himself. And check this out. This is crazy. I want to read this to you. After Abraham received that word from God, what does the Bible say? It says, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So this is crazy to me. It took Abraham three days to go from the word to the mountain. So let's like put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a second. He had three days to walk and to think to himself, did God really tell me to do this? Like, did God, is it, was that me? Because if that, if that was me, I'm about to make a big mistake. He had three days to decide in his heart, was that really God? But here's what we see in Abraham. He knew God. He knew God's voice so well that he could walk three days thinking about what he was about to do and know without a shadow of a doubt, God told me to do this. Which is crazy because what does that mean for us? Do we know God's voice that well? Do you know God that well? Do you know God's voice so well that if he were to ask you to sacrifice something that you loved, that you would know God told me to do this? And have the faith like Abraham to know if he's telling me to do this, something's got to be better on the other end. He's got to have something better for me. So I think, I think we put ourselves in a place for God to be Jaira when we know him, when we know him. The second thing is this. We see this in Abraham. I allow God to be Jaira in my life when I take him seriously. When I take him seriously. Here's what the angel of the Lord says to him. It says, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Okay, what the angel of the Lord is saying right here when he says to Abraham, now I know that you fear God, 
He's not saying, now I know that you're afraid of God, Abraham. What he's saying is, now I know that you took God seriously. You took God's word seriously. So seriously that you were willing to walk three days to a mountain, to bring your son up to the top of that mountain, even to bring the knife up for me to become Jaira in your life. And I wonder how many times God wants to be provider in our lives, just like that story that David showed. He wants to give us something so much better for us than we already have because God sees. Remember, God provision means to see. God sees the bigger picture. He sees where he's trying to take you. And how many times do we not follow because we don't take what he said seriously? We just don't take what he said seriously. We don't, what the Bible says, fear God. That doesn't mean you're afraid of him. That means you take his word seriously. And I think when we do that, we get to see him be Jaira in our life. We get to see him provide. And the last thing is this. I allow God to be Jaira in my life when I need him. When I need him. Here's what I mean by this. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 25. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because, check this out, you can do nothing without me. We've talked about this before. How many of us read that and we say, Jesus, really? Nothing? Like there's got to be some things I can do without you. But what does Jesus say? He says, you can do nothing without me. So here's my question to us tonight, New Song students. Your father knows that you need him. Do you know? Your father knows, your father God knows that you actually need him. Do you know that you need him? You know, there's a, there's a season in my life, and I'll try to make this quick. There's a season in my life when I was in college where I kind of, I was in a really good place with God. I was in a really good place with my relationships. I was growing. God was doing a lot in my life. Um, but God sees. And God saw deep, deep, deep down in my heart that I had some, some freedom that I hadn't walked through yet, that I didn't even know existed. I didn't even know I needed this freedom from something that had happened to me when I was a little boy. And I was in um, a counseling major, so I was going to school for counseling at the time. And what we would do every now and then is we would have mock counseling sessions. So me and another student, we would go and we would counsel each other and we'd practice. And so here I am one day, I'm sitting with one of my classmates and we're just getting ready to have a a fake counseling session, which ended up turning into a very real (laughs) counseling session for me. Because I didn't know it, but in this, we're in the lobby of our school, my life was about to change because we begin to talk and he just begins to ask the, the right questions at the moment. And stuff starts coming out of my heart that had happened to me when I was a kid that I didn't, I had, so I had pushed down so far that I had completely forgotten. I didn't even know I needed this freedom, but God did because God's provider and he sees and he wanted to provide me with some freedom. And so stuff starts coming out. I'm, I'm bawling in the lobby. All of my, the people are just walking to class and there's just this dude crying on the couch because I'm getting ministered to over here. But, but I say all that to say this. I thought I didn't need God that, in that area of my life. I didn't think I needed provision in that area of my life. I thought I was good. I thought I was healthy. I thought I had freedom in my life. But God saw something better. He, he saw an opportunity for me to walk in greater freedom. 
And, and I'm so thankful that I, that I knew his voice and that I was able to give that to him because now I walk in a greater freedom because of that. But I say all that to say this. I wonder what God sees in you that you need that maybe you're trying to be too independent. You're trying to do it on your own. You're not, you haven't gotten to the place yet where you can say, God, I know you need me, but I know that I need you. And so tonight, before we go into a small group, I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes um, because I believe that God wants to provide something special tonight. I believe there's somebody in here tonight and God is revealing a need in your heart that you didn't even know you needed to be filled, but he wants to fill that need. Maybe for you, he's, maybe for you, he's showing you an area in your life where you've been trying to provide outside of God for that need. You've been trying to make it happen, whether that's through a, a relationship that's not actually filling that need. Maybe you're trying to fill that need by being busy because whenever you slow down, you're able to see that need. It comes up and you, you get anxious. And so you just keep yourself busy, busy, busy because if you stop, you'll see it. Here's the thing. God wants to provide for every single one of your needs. He sees every single one of your needs before you even see them. So Father God, I pray tonight that you would just begin to reveal, that you would begin to uncover, that you would begin to show us, God, what we need from you. Because you're Jehovah Jireh, you provide for every single one of our needs. And so God, what are those needs tonight? What are those things that we're holding back from you? The things that we're keeping from you so that you can be Jireh in our lives. I pray that you would show every single student, every single leader what that thing is so that we could then give it to you, see you become provider in our lives, see you take us to to glory, from glory to glory, greater than we could ever imagine. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said...